When labs around the world set off on the race to find a coronavirus vaccine, Brazil was quickly singled out as a perfect ground for testing. A big country with a diverse population and an unchecked spread of the coronavirus with community transmission running wild. So four major labs decided to test their potential vaccines here, and one of them apparently has shown extremely promising results. Sounds like great news, right? Well, apparently not for Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. He's been saying for some weeks now that his administration is adamantly against making a coronavirus vaccine mandatory. Also, the president has been accused of fueling skepticism around immunization, all while touting unproven drugs to the public. But arguably, his words are less about the health equivalent of flat earthism and more about making calculated moves with one eye on 2022, when Bolsonaro will run for re-election. This week, we discuss the electoral aspects of the race for a coronavirus vaccine in Brazil. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Ewan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. So, there are four potential coronavirus vaccines being tested in Brazil. They are in late-stage trials and they're pretty much the closest we have to a vaccine being available to the public. Uh, these vaccines are being developed by big pharmaceutical companies from the world's leading superpowers, the UK, China, Germany, and the US. And each potential vaccine is being tested by different Brazilian institutes, right? Yeah, but let's focus on the two broader projects in Brazil. We have the UK vaccine, which is developed by the University of Oxford and AstraZeneca. And there's the Chinese one, which is being made by the lab Sinovac Biotech. And so the trials of the UK vaccine are being conducted in partnership with the Osvaldo Cruz Foundation, which is linked to the Brazilian Health Ministry. So that means it's linked to the federal government. But the Chinese vaccine, which has been given the name CoronaVac, that's been developed in partnership with the state government of Sao Paulo. And what is the latest about the coronavirus vaccine? Well, this week, Sao Paulo Governor João Doria assembled his top health officials and he called a press conference to present the preliminary results of the CoronaVac trials. And? Yeah, it looks promising. Um, officials said CoronaVac is the, quote, safest among all the vaccines tested in the country. And they mentioned the absence of severe adverse reactions. Uh, only 20% of volunteers experienced mild pain at the injection site. 15% said it caused headaches. And less than 5% complained about nausea. So, you know, that's quite positive results. And let's remember that just last month, the Oxford vaccine halted trials for a few days to investigate severe adverse reactions in one UK patient. And then another potential vaccine, the one by Johnson & Johnson, uh, had to do the same early in October. Yeah, so the findings seem to give a lot of room for optimism around the Chinese vaccine. But... 
But uh, these promising results don't necessarily mean the CoronaVac will be made readily available for all Brazilians. And why not? Well, the health ministry didn't initially include CoronaVac on its 2021 federal vaccination calendar. And on Tuesday afternoon, the ministry said that it would be purchasing 46 million doses from China after pressure from state governors. But President Jair Bolsonaro has reportedly cancelled this deal just hours later. Besides, the president has said that his administration will not recommend mandatory vaccination from COVID-19. Okay, this is odd. Yeah, well, Bolsonaro says imposing vaccination is a threat against people's individual liberties. And it's a drum that he's been beating for a while. Um, As we showed on the Brazilian report, this kind of move follows a pattern that we do see in Brazilian politics. You know, we have both the left and the right mimicking many of the kind of culture wars being fought in the U.S., And in this case, it's the anti-vax movement. There's more to it than just that, right? Because, well, the government did include in the calendar the Oxford vaccine, which, as we said, is being developed by the health ministry. So the thing is that since the beginning, Bolsonaro looked at the pandemic more from an electoral perspective rather than a public health one. Uh, He opposed lockdowns because he was advised not to put himself at odds with big business which supported his election in 2018. And while state governors went ahead and enacted quarantines, the president sat back and accused them of, quote, killing jobs. But Bolsonaro is not the only one doing that, right? His political adversaries have also embarked on this terrain and they have made the fight against the coronavirus all about themselves. No, exactly. It's fair to say that Bolsonaro and Sao Paulo Governor João Doria have made the pandemic all about their own political feud. Uh, the pair became sworn enemies last year because Doria wants to steal Bolsonaro's place as the leader of the right wing in Brazil, and it seems pretty safe to assume that both will be on the presidential ballot in 2022. Which explains why Bolsonaro is so resistant to distributing the coronavac across the country. It is being developed in partnership with Doria's administration. Exactly. Yeah, there's not a shred of doubt that Doria would make the success of this vaccine the centerpiece of his presidential campaign. And just a few days ago, he was promising to vaccinate the entire state by the end of the year and then make deals with other states to ship them doses too. But still, despite any electoral connotation, the president's posture is pretty much indefensible. I mean, a vaccine seems to be the only way to contain the virus and get back to normality. Still, the president's opposition to making vaccines mandatory seems quite odd. I mean, vaccines are already mandatory in practical terms, right? Brazil, you cannot access some public services such as enrolling in schools or or obtaining financial aid if your kids are not up to date with their shots. Yeah, that's right. And it also goes completely against what Brazilians want. Um, A recent poll showed that 75% of Brazilians would get a coronavirus vaccine as soon as it was made available. And 70% of voters in large urban centres around Brazil think that it should be mandatory for people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. But is there any particular group among which the vaccine is really not popular? Yeah, vaccine sceptics are more present among evangelical Christians who are also more likely to support Jair Bolsonaro. Wow. 
Yeah, and it's more than the president saying that forcing someone to take a vaccine is an act of aggression. There's a systematic campaign on social media to discredit the coronavac, calling it the Chinese vaccine in a kind of derogatory fashion. And Bolsonaro himself said Doria and the Chinese are spreading terror, and he's claimed that the coronavac is overpriced. And there's also some conspiracy theories saying that China infected the world only to cash in on the cure. I mean, some of this stuff is just Google translated from the anti-vaxxer mumbo-jumbo that we see everywhere around the world. And add to that the fear of catching the virus in hospitals or even people who fear that a first version of the coronavirus vaccine might be defective, especially because it's being developed so fast. That gives you the perfect cauldron for fueling anti-vaxxer sentiment. Yeah, and while this is going on, the president is spreading more advice on possible COVID-19 treatments without any proof of effectiveness. The latest miracle cure is the anti-worms drug, nitazoxanide, which the government is claiming is effective for early cases of COVID-19, but they have offered no evidence to back up their statements. And even worse, when they were presenting this grand discovery, or lack thereof, the government used an animated chart which was supposedly to show how nitazoxanide reduces patients' viral load, but it turned out to just be a stock image that they had bought on Shutterstock and had absolutely nothing to do with anything that they were talking about. Oh, that's not the first time this administration has pulled this kind of stunt. Well, Ewan, we will be keeping an eye on how this progresses and hopefully we'll have some definitive good news soon. Now, even though fewer people are taking vaccines in Brazil, the overall immunization rate is actually pretty high when compared to other countries. But at one point, not too far back in the country's history, Brazilians were so incensed at the idea of vaccinating themselves that they even staged a public revolt. That's after the break. Hi, I'm Laura Kiran, co-founder of The Brazilian Report. COVID-19 has created a media paradox. Audiences are going up, but for many journalism companies, revenues actually is going down. Some of Brazil's biggest media outlets are trying to cut the salaries of their reporters by up to 70%. Not us. We protect our team because they bring you the best information about Brazilian English. But we do ask you to subscribe to The Brazilian Report, which is the engine of this podcast. There, you will find new in-depth content every day, special reports, analytical newsletters. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And please stay safe. Before COVID-19, when you mentioned the word vaccine in Brazil, people's minds would often drift back to the turn of the 20th century and a fascinating piece of history from the country's first republic, when a simple vaccine provoked a full-on social insurrection in the then-capital city of Rio de Janeiro. We'll let two Brazilian historians tell that tale, beginning with Andrea Pagliarini, a lecturer at Dartmouth University. He sets the scene of Rio de Janeiro in the early 1900s. (laughs) 
One of the things that's important to keep in mind when we're thinking about Rio de Janeiro at the turn of the century is the fact that it was both the capital of the nation, but also a city with its own mayor, that is, with its own sort of political intrigue, its own political dynamics. So you have these two levels of political incentives and different uh, ways of conceiving of the city's importance, right, as the federal capital, but also, again, as a, a municipality with its own um, politics. Um, and so the president, Rodriguez Alves, and the mayor, Pereira Passos, uh, both overlapped in their time in office And there was a, a real moment of synergy in their visions for what the city should be, for how it should be rethought and reconceptualized. Both of them uh, believed in the idea of drastically remaking the city. The 1904 revolt against the vaccine, as famous or infamous as it is, did not occur in a vacuum. Since the creation of the Republic um, in 1889, uh, within the capital, within Rio, the various forces, uh, social and political actors, were really in an uneasy kind of balance uh, beginning uh, in the last decade of the 19th century and into, and into the 20th. Um, there were, you know, anarchists, positivists, uh, monarchists, uh, Darwinists, all of whom Um, were pulling the Republican project um, in different directions. So in 1893, for example, Navy officers uh, mutinied against the provisional government, um, aiming their weapons on central Rio. Um, an, uh, an early labor movement, an urban labor movement, uh, fought for rights um, and confronted the hostility of private employers as well as the police um, Racial theorists and social Darwinists, for example, um, had a really hard time accepting the idea that the new Republican citizenry would be made up of former slaves. Um, and so all of these kind of different segments of society sat very uneasily within the capital, a capital that was at the dawn of the 20th century, um, reconceptualizing the city's uh, physical landscape, but also its social landscape. And the idea of public health campaigns like vaccines were a key part of that reimagining. And so it was really um, like a spark in a city that was primed to explode. One of the key feelings uh, that had influenced Republicans to finally take action against the crown was this profound sense that Brazil was being left behind, that compared to Europe and the United States, Brazil was sort of stuck in a previous century, uh, a monarchy um, only recently abolishing slavery. And so there was this sense that Republicans held that the nation really needed to catch up. Um, and I think this manifested itself in the early 1900s um, with the urban project, with uh, the capital itself. And so we can imagine the city of Rio de Janeiro in the early 1900s um, as really a massive site of contested construction, right? Literal construction, um, a huge new um, project in the port, um, huge new projects to sweep away tenements, um, very famous one in the uh, late 1800s called Cabeça do Porco, which was a very famous, I think it was the largest cortiço in the, uh, or, or slum or tenement um, at that point in, in, in the history of Rio. 
So we can imagine a city that is constantly dusty from new construction, um, that probably smells like fish, smells like sewage, um, and constant movement. Right? It's a very hot city. So one can imagine a real sense of uh, tumult during this period. But for many reformers, a profound sense that a new capital was being created, a new, better capital would emerge from all of this. Now let's hear from Sidney Shalhoub, a history professor at Harvard University. Yeah, well, Rio had had a very long history with um, yellow fever and and smallpox. Um, in the case of yellow fever, since mid-century, the first big epidemic was in 1850, the summer of 1849-1850. Smallpox had been around for much longer, um, and there was even a vaccination service that had existed at least, well, since the times of, of uh, Don João VI, the, the Portuguese king. Um, but the fact is that throughout the second half of the 19th century, these public health measures did not work very well. Although, and, and this is for understandable reasons, this was a medicine before microbiology. Uh, there was no idea, for example, that yellow fever was caused uh, was had uh, a mosquito as a, as a vector of it. Um, and so the population had an experience with public health, which public health policies, which was on the one hand, a little disappointing in the sense that it didn't seem to, um, to result in, 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 um, in a control of these epidemics, but also because these uh, measures were sometimes enforced uh, with a degree of violence. And that was obviously the case um, beginning in 1902 uh, with smallpox vaccination uh, and the other campaigns to eradicate the mosquitoes in the case of yellow fever and to kill the rats in the case of bubonic plague. Um, a law that had established um, compulsory compulsory vaccination for smallpox was passed, and um, the regulation, the way the government was going to proceed to enforce the law, was published in in mid November, and it was met with strong resistance on several uh, sectors of society. First. There were some politicians. There was a lot of um, um, disagreement within the political class about um, smallpox vaccination becoming mandatory to the whole to the whole population. So there were senators, a couple of deputies, and two very important uh, daily papers um, in Rio. One of them, uh, Correio da Manhã, very important. A newspaper um, actually campaigning against smallpox uh, vaccination. There are also some um, very uh, visible um, intellectuals who um, um, thought, especially people associated with positivism, uh, that there was a positivist church in 
angry at the time that was very uh, active. And they opposed smallpox vaccination, alleging that it would be, uh, it was disrespectful of individual rights. And also because they, they defended some sort of um, uh, social Darwinism. And they believed that um, these epidemics should be allowed to run its course and the population were better prepared to, to deal with them uh, would survive. And this would, would mean an improvement of, of the Brazilian um, um, people. So uh, this was a very common way of, of the way um, racist um, thinking um, was incorporated into the, th the thinking of Brazilian elites at the time. They always believed that a combination of um, a changing demographics for immigration with the coming of more and more Europeans together with kind of as natural selection. This is the biological notion of survival of the fittest, fittest applied to um, to human societies would also result in a in a, in a in better people. But it was not only the elites who didn't want vaccines for everyone. Actually, the general population in 1904 Rio de Janeiro was very skeptical of the government's initiative. As a public policy project, the idea of tearing down um, insalubrious tenements, cortiços, um, and these really uh, cramped living quarters um, was conceived as inseparable from a broader health reform as well. So this idea of urban renewal was linked inextricably in the minds of policymakers from uh, a health campaign. And so the chief um, of public health, Osvaldo Cruz, um, invoked extraordinary powers when it came to these health campaigns um, to enter people's homes, to verify that they had been, that they had received the smallpox vaccine. Um, and for many ordinary people in, in, in the city, this was an inexcusable intrusion of the state into their homes, into their lives. So as I've mentioned, this is a moment uh, in the life of the city characterized by suspicion of the government, by uh, suspicion of the Republican project more generally among many of them. So the idea that representatives of the state are coming into your home and, for example, forcing your daughter or your wife to expose their flesh uh, to a man they don't know for a process, a medical process that sometimes is new to you, is unfamiliar to you. Um, for many people, this was unacceptable. Um, and this provoked a whole lot of outrage. So there's, it's a combination of two things. One, a generalized suspicion with uh, the broader context of reforms about which most uh, citizens of Rio have had very little say. On November 11th, 1904, some 4,000 people marched towards the Catechi Palace in Rio, protesting these policies. The vaccine revolt was notable for almost bringing around a military coup as groups within the army attempted to use the unrest to overthrow the government. They were, however, unsuccessful. We can begin to make a few parallels to the current moment. 
right, where there is a general sense among many supporters of the president, President Bolsonaro, that they are being lied to by the news about the severity of the, of the disease, about COVID-19, um, that there's a sense that it's being exaggerated, that they're being told to stay home, in many cases, by authoritarian leaders. That the governor, for example, of Sao Paulo, João Doria, is infringing on their freedom by making them stay home. And on the other hand, so that's one part of the comparison. The other part of the comparison is, I think, a real sense of uh, legitimacy in crisis in Brazil. Who do people listen to? Is it the president? Is it the governor? Is it the mayor? So I think when we think about the context of a real crisis of legitimacy, a crisis of authority, we can begin to think of some continuities, some unfortunate continuities between both moments. We thank historians Andrea Pagliarini and Sidney Schauhoop for their participation. And if you like explaining Brazil, please rate us with five stars. That will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week, without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening.